following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, put your hands together. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. How many have your, uh, your little stuff ready here? I dropped one of my, one of my cough drops here. I'm having a little trouble with my throat, <clears throat> so it's not going to hold me back, but I'm having a little trouble with it, so maybe when I take the grape juice and take the bread tonight, it'll all go away. Yeah. Amen. We're going to close with communion tonight. We always do the first Wednesday. What a joy to see you tonight. Isn't it fun to be in church on a cold night? <laughs> you know what? Folks, you never cease to amaze me. I am blown away by your consistency, and there wasn't a person that walked in the door tonight that didn't have a smile as big as Austin on your face. You're so glad that the church was open, and we had a heater in here. We had heaters on the porch, but you notice I wasn't on that porch tonight. There's sometimes I just chicken out. I just can't do it. I'm just too young to go out there, and uh, so I'm not going to do it, but it's so much fun to see you tonight, and I I trust that you're enjoying the series that we've started on Solomon's Secrets. Uh, pardon me, I've got to get this out of my mouth. There we go, because that, that'll, that'll come out of my mouth when I'm speaking. <laughs> <clears throat> my throat feels a lot better. Would you stand? You're incredible people. I love you very, very much. And uh, we're going we're gonna to go into part four of Solomon's Secrets tonight. Now, now I want to I I wanna preface this, first of all, by telling you that I'm asking everyone to stay in the building for the entirety of this 30 minutes. The entirety. I don't want you going out. If you have to use a restroom, just say, Lord, put it on hold. <laughs> if you need a drink of water, you should have got that before you came in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a lot of teaching in my life in this church, but tonight, tonight, I'm going to be talking about something that is rampant, that needs to be talked about, because sometimes we say go when God says stop. And if the Bible means anything, then it means everything. And we're going to go to the word of the Lord tonight because Solomon's secrets comes from a man who knew a lot about stuff and stuff that he shouldn't have done and he talked to us about stuff of how to get those things corrected in life. So tonight, lesson four, we're going to talk about, you're going to catch it when I said graze in your own pasture. Anybody got any idea what this is going to be about? All right. Turn to somebody and say, O-M-G. Pastor's on a rampage tonight. No, I'm just the messenger delivering the word tonight. And say, Pastor, we're going to help you tonight. And we're going to love the fire out of you after you get through because we know we need correction in the Lord in our lives. I love you. You may be seated. God bless. I will not keep you long. Henry VIII told his fifth wife. <laughs> Proverbs 5 says, Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. A few years back, we were all shocked by some news out of Florida, a group of teenagers who brutally murdered three innocent people. And their weapon was neither gun nor knife. 
when apprehended there was no blood on them or on their clothes to incriminate them. But they were nevertheless responsible for a crime. As a prank, they had removed the stop signs at a busy four-way intersection in a particular city. We live in a world today where all the stop signs have and are being removed in lives. And grace has become lasciviousness. And we have moved from the grace of God to the lust of life. And we call it grace. And we're told to say yes when, where God says no. And we're told it's okay to proceed through places where God has placed stop signs. And if we're not careful, the results are as catastrophic as a car crash that happened in Florida. So far we've examined three of Solomon's secrets as described in the book of Proverbs. Number one, we establish specific goals for your life, which means if you don't know where you're going, you're going to wind up someplace else. Yogi Berra repeated that too. And number two, Brad taught about persevere when you encounter failure. In other words, you have to fail in order to succeed. You have to try, and sometimes you fail. And then last week I talked about you got to listen to the jerks in your life. There's going to be critics in your life, and people are going to criticize you and be critical of you all the days you live. But when you're doing something phenomenal for God, you just keep going. All three of those words, establish, persevere, and listen, are positive in tone, and they appeal to us because they're proactive words. They denote forward movement. The fact is, pressing on the accelerator is much more fun than hitting the brakes. But the fact is there are times that stopping can be just as important as moving forward. The book of Proverbs contains some stop signs that are vital for those who seek to master the art of living well. In this portion of lessons, we're going to examine one of those stop signs. If this sign is ignored, folks, there will be emotional, financial, and spiritual destruction in your life. The stop sign I'm referring to is this, no sex outside of marriage. There, I said it, now exhale and let's go forward. No sex outside of marriage. Clap your hands, you got to receive that. This is what I know right now. There are some of you in this room who are engaged in an emotional and or sexual affair with someone other than your mate, or as a single adult, you're involved in a relationship like that outside of marriage. Let me, let me tell you something else that I know very well. God is completely aware of every detail of those affairs. Every detail. Proverbs 5 said, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and He watches all His paths. He watches them all. Now, I may not know the details of your affair, but as a pastor, I'm very aware that sexual immorality is a disease, an epidemic of epidemic proportions among both Christians and non-Christians. And I simply reflect over the past few weeks. I recall some of the heartbreaking situations that I have encountered myself. A person trying to fix anything, trying to trying anything possible to save their marriage, even if it means moving across the United States to save their marriage. A bitter court hearing about who gets what. A pastor losing his church because, and his reputation and his family because of improper behavior with a counselee. A wife who feels betrayed and belittled by her husband's addiction to pornography. It's happening. And everyone scrambling to fix the loose ends over an unexpected pregnancy that just happened. And no, the Virgin Mary will not be repeated. Solomon had firsthand experience with the devastating effects of immorality. I'm quite sure there is still some water cooler gossip about the circumstances that led to his birth with David and Bathsheba. 
that it was an affair for the history books. And you'd think we'd learn from history, but like his dad, Solomon too ignored the stop sign and the warnings about grazing in his own pasture. And Solomon wrote about this later. Ecclesiastes 2, he said, At that, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse him. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor. See, I worked, and this was my reward for all my labor. This sexual stuff was my reward. Thus I considered all my activities, which my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. The consequences of his addiction to sexual pleasure is also listed. I hate to read this, but it's in the book. 1 Kings 11 said he had 700 wives. Good Lord. How many do you need, Solomon? Let's talk. He had princesses. He had 300 concubines. I heard one old preacher say, he misquoted, he said he had 300 combines. He's a mighty farmer. And his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. And as wise as Solomon was in other things in life, he ignored his God-given wisdom when it came to sexual temptation. Almost weekly we learn again of the smart ones in the world, the leaders of our nation, the public figures of life that are brought down by the same, same, pardon the word, stupidity. Solomon chose not to learn from his father's mistakes, and I pray that you and I will learn from both of them. See, after the fallout for his own life, Solomon had so much to say about this. Proverbs 2, he said, For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will fill you with joy. He said, Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wise choices will watch over you and understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman and from the seductive words of a promiscuous woman. She has abandoned her husband and ignores the covenant she made before God. Entering her house leads to death. It's the road to the grave. And the man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the paths of life. Proverbs 5 said, For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey. Yeah, strange flesh. And her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's as bitter as poison and as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Proverbs 5, 8, and 9 says, Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you'll lose your honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Proverbs 6 said, For a prostitute will bring you to poverty, but sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. And in 27, he said, can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? But a man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. He will be wounded and disgraced. His shame will never be erased. Somebody clap your hands and say, God, help me right now to hear the word of the Lord. Come on, help me, help me. I could go on. Solomon said a whole lot more, but I think you get the idea. He's not just addressing married people, but singles as well. He's talking about all kinds of sexual sin. Paul made the same warning in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he said, run from sexual sin. In the King James, it says, flee fornication. There's some things that the whole armor of God does not cover. Some things you've got to run away from. 
You know what Joseph did in the Old Testament when Potiphar's wife tried to lay with him? He ran out of his coat and ran out of the house. Oh, she lied on him and it cost him years in prison, but he knew he got away before he committed the sin that she wanted to commit. He ran from her. That's the only way to get out of situations is to run, Forrest, run. Oh, you've seen that show, hadn't you? No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Solomon knew firsthand how sexual immorality could seize our imagination and strangle the emotional and spiritual energies of our lives. How in the world can it happen to a Christian? How can we ever risk our families, our pride, our spiritual well-being like this? I'm going to give you five fatal fallacies in our thinking that leads to sexual sin and adultery. You might want to write these down and put them on your refrigerator. Number one, say it with me, it could never happen to me. Oh, Pastor, that never happened to me. I'm above that. If you want to avoid a head-on collision with immorality, you need to realize that you are very capable of committing any sin imaginable. You were made from the same dirt everybody else was made from. And there is murder in us. And there is, there is stealing in us. And there is thievery in us. And there is hurting people in us. We all fight that thing called flesh. Yep, I said it, any sin. Proverbs 18 said, Before his downfall a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. You have to remember, you have inherited, folks, a corrupt nature. Because of Adam's sin, we naturally crave for things that God has marked off limits. Man is not by nature basically good. Paul said that there's no good in me. There is no good in me. In fact, he said, who's going to get this dead man off my back? He's on me. I can't get rid of him. I need something to help me get away from this old nature. Man by nature is a sinner. Ephesians 6 said, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world's forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Somebody said, we've got a battle. That word schemes means crafty methods. That word schemes mean a crafty method. Satan has personalized blueprint for the destruction of your life. It includes the disillusion of your marriage, the rebellion of your children, and the departure of your faith. That's what he wants. And even though he's neither omniscient, he's not omnipresent nor omnipotent, he has studied every one of us closely. Listen to me now. And he knows you intimately. He really does. He knows what will make you plunge into depression. He knows what paralyzes you with fear. And he knows what entices you to immorality. James 1 said, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. His own lust. Entice is a fishing term. The devil knows how to bait the hook to get you to bite. Whatever you bite with, if you've got false teeth, take them out so you can't bite. Quit biting the devil's hook. Come on, help me preach right now. Quit biting the devil's hook. Our fallen nature combined with our active opponent means that none of us are exempt from sexual immorality. 
one old pastor told me one time, and I'll never forget it. He said, son, there's going to be times when you're going to have opportunity to mess up in life. And I have. There's been opportunities in my life. Fifty years I've been preaching the gospel, going all over the country, meeting all kinds of people. But he said, and there's going to be times when you're going to have desire to be with somebody when you're away from your family and you're all alone. But he said, for the sake of God and the sake of your sanity, don't ever let opportunity and desire cross at the same time. For me to stand up here and tell you that I'm a, I'm a steel man and there's nothing in my heart and there's nothing that's ever tempted me, I would be lying to you. But I declare as a pastor of this church, I have never allowed opportunity when it presented itself to always match desire that I had in my heart. And I've asked God, Lord, keep me from all of that. Keep me from that sin. Keep me from that. And I promise you, He has. Because when you ask Him, He will give you faith. And He'll give you strength to stand against the wiry, fiery darts of the devil. Somebody help me preach. 2nd thing I will tell you is people say I can stop anytime I want. I can stop. Let me tell you, sexual sin, folks, is addictive. It's addictive. Don't think you're above the law of sin. You don't sin a little bit and stop. Sin leads to more sin. Drugs lead to more drugs. And a little, little social drinking leads to a, some time of drunkenness. 2nd Peter 2 said, For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. If you're ever overcome by it, sometimes you'll get enslaved by it. And it'll take you to a hell on earth that you thought you would never walk into. Anyone involved in premarital sex or extramarital sex or pornography, realizing your behavior with that idea, saying, I can stop anytime I want. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe you can? Then prove it. Stop right now. Get out of this church and say, I'm done. And if you can, come and tell me and we'll dance around this platform. Because you can't just stop right now. Paul said, I will not be mastered by anything. Nothing is going to be my master except Jesus Christ. And here's the third one. This is the tough one. Pastor, we're only friends. I got a lot of friends, but you got to stay vertical. I'm talking. Those four words, my friend, are the most common words that lead to affairs. Most affairs begin with as friendships that fulfill some deep emotional need in one or both parties. And we tend to think of affairs as being one-night flings. For instance, Mickey Gilly used to sing a song, The Girls All Get Prettier at Closing Time. They all begin to look like movie stars. The drunker you get, and the later it gets. Oh, a two becomes a ten. That's not the case. One marriage counselor, Carford Brett Broderick, said, I am convinced that more people get themselves into the pain of infidelity through empathy and concern and compassion than through any base motive. The world is full of lonely and vulnerable people and hungry for a sympathetic ear and a shoulder to cry on. And most affairs don't begin in the bedroom. They begin in the heart. And they begin with 
words. Can I share something with every one of you here? Can I share something with every one of you here? I believe you're probably in one of the safest places in all of America because this pastor does not desire you. I want you to go to heaven and I want you to be saved and I want you to walk in white someday and you can come here and cast your cares on the Lord in this altar and we will take care of you to see that you go to heaven someday robed in white. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. Proverbs 2 said to deliver you from the strange woman, the adulteress who flatters with her words. Proverbs 5 said for the lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. Proverbs 7 said that they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. Solomon always wrote this from the masculine gender because he had problems with this. So it's not putting it all on the woman, it's man too. But he wrote about it because it flattered him. Proverbs 22 said, The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit, and who who is cursed of the Lord will fall into it. We've learned how quickly in an innocent discussion forming an unbreakable bond that eventually leads to sexual expression. That's how it works. Dr. Dennis Rainey gave common warning signs of an emotional relationship that easily leads to adultery. I'm going to give you seven of them real quick right now. Not on the screen, just listen to me. You've got a need for attention and affection or approval that you feel your mate's not meeting and another begins to do so. Number two, you find it easier to unwind with someone other than your spouse by dissecting the day's difficulty over lunch, coffee, or maybe on a ride home from work. Number three, you begin talking about problems that you're having with your spouse to another. Number four, you rationalize a relationship by saying that surely God's will for you to talk openly and honestly with a fellow Christian. Number five, fellow Christian. Number five, you become defensive about the relationship and you try to protect it because somebody might pick it up and they ask you and you get defensive and you get mad at them and you shut their friendship off. Number six, you look forward to being with this person more than your mate. And number seven, you hide the relationship from your mate until one day you're discovered and all hell comes for dinner. That's seven things. One lady wrote a letter to her friend who was a married man and she said this, friendship is always going somewhere unless it's dead. You and I both know where ours is going. And when a relationship threatens the stability of the commitments we've made to the people we value most, it can no longer be. As a pastor, we're only friends. The fourth thing, if it feels so right, it can't be wrong. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. You know, songs like that mess with you. You need to let, get on that Christian channel. Hmm. Solomon was so adamant against sexual sin because he knew the initial exhilaration it provided. The power of temptation lies in the pleasure of the temptation. And one of the most foolish things we could do as pastors or preachers is talk about sex outside of marriage as simply misery and heartbreak and dissatisfaction. That's not biblical. Biblical, the Bible calls it the pleasures of sin. It's fun for a season. Solomon never misled people about sex. He acknowledged the lips of the lover are like honey initially, but in the end they're as bitter, he said, as wormwood. If it feels right, it can't be so wrong. And the fifth thing, 
that I want to share with you. We're not far from closing. Pastor, nobody's getting hurt. I've had people sit in my office. Yeah, Pastor, I'm sinner, but nobody's getting hurt. It's just a little thing, you know. Had a guy do that one to me. It's just a little thing. Oh, yeah. There's a machete out there going to cut that hand off. I wish I could share some of the things I have seen. You know, most of us understand the Ten Commandments prohibitions against theft or murder. To steal another person's property or to take another person's life is clearly wrong. Do you believe that? Say amen. amen. But when harm is there for two people, each trapped in a loveless marriage, or two people who aren't married bring a little happiness to one another, what's wrong with that? I mean, sex, pastor, is victimless, right? No. The one thing I find interesting is that Solomon doesn't describe the pain sexual sin brings upon the innocent parties involved. He doesn't talk about the other spouse or the children. Maybe because in all his wisdom he knew how egocentric we all are. So he detailed the effects of sexual sin on the one doing the deed. Listen to this in Proverbs 6, 22, 32. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. One version said he is stupid. He who would destroy himself does it. He says it will destroy you. Am I making any sense tonight? I'm just preaching the Bible. I'm just the messenger. And then he lays out three costs we need to consider. Number one is the physical cost. Say the physical cost. Physical cost. It's going to cost you physically. An affair will cost you physically. Proverbs 7 said, so she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag, a deer caught in a trap, awaiting the air that would pierce his heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Sexual sin is setting yourself up for all, time, all types of physical health problems. I don't have to go into that, folks. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody say, but Pastor, we have protected. You know, we do, we do it with protection. Oh, that's good. That's real good. That's real good. Your sex is not safe until it passes judgment. Beside the physical anguish of losing children, sleepless nights, working hard and keeping the ball of lies rolling, because you're going to have to lie to cover it. It's not worth it. The second is the financial cost. I guarantee you I could line some people up in this world and say, what did it cost you? It cost you a whole lot. Solomon said you could be reduced to nothing but a loaf of bread if you keep going to prostitutes. I've seen people lose jobs, lose half their property, lose their retirement, lose houses, and on and on. I've seen folks lose their ministry. I've seen it. Used to have a guy that come to this church that wanted to do Hispanic ministry. He was a, he was a missionary. He came and started working in our church. We didn't hire him, but he started working in the church. And one night he went down South Congress, and it was all over because he enticed a prostitute, and she was a cop. And he called me and said, what am I supposed to do? I said, you did it, you fix it. He was a preacher. He knew better. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. You're not going to get by with it. Financially, 
physically, it's going to cost you. That's the reason why 80% of men and 73% of women report a lower standard of living 10 years after their divorce because it's going to cost you financially. And the third is the emotional cost, and this is the, big one. This is the biggest one. Some say, I know there are physical risks and financial risks, but to have someone truly love me, I'm willing to take that risk. Are you really? Don't forget the emotional cost. One study of men 10 years after divorce showed that 33% of them were intensely angry and they didn't have a happy day in their life. 50% ended up in divorce again. 80% experienced a lower quality of life. Many saw their kids emotionally damaged and left their relationship with their father or mother. 50% are under age 51 happily married. 66% over the age of 51 happily remarried. Even Cosmopolitan Magazine, folks, even Cosmopolitan Magazine, not the Bible, revealed that 80% of men who divorced and remarried would remarry their former wife if given the opportunity. Well, I think I need to read Cosmopolitan a little bit more here. <laughs> Pastor's telling the truth. Yeah, I am. The only way to experience the sexual and emotional fulfillment we all crave is within the security of a committed, loving marriage partnership. Hey, hey. Do you think I, do you think I just think my wife just comes from Venus every day? No, sometimes she comes from that other place. Do you think she looks at this handsome bald head and thinks, God, what a hunk I have married? No, no. I can tell when I get on my wife's last nerve. <laughs> and I've done it numerous times in our relationship. And I get tickled. <laughs> and I start picking on her, and that makes it worse. I'm giving you a little inside of us. Now, we've never had a big fuss, a big argument. But I have made her so bugged sometimes. I bug the fire out of her. And every now and then she gets on my last nerve. But it's not worth, it's not worth selling out, walking away, and going and find somebody that's better. Because I promise you, I promise you that what you, <laughs> that what you find in about three years, you're going to be saying, oh God, what have I stepped into? I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. People wish that they could go back and take their mates back because immorality does that to your life. Sometimes you have to go through the University of Hard Knocks to understand exactly what you had and what, you know what, I, you know what I love? I love people when they reclaim, when they do some reclamations. I went, to see a, I went to see a couple, the, a man the other day in the hospital, and I remember in 2006, those people do not remember our church, but in 2006, that couple had divorced when I came here. And in 2006, 16 years after I was here, they called me one day from the hospital. They were in an intensive care room with one of them's mother. And they called me and said, would you come and remarry us? And I went to an intensive care room and remarried them, and they're happy. 
Now, I'm not saying that you need to get away from somebody that you divorce somebody and you marry somebody. Well, everybody go back to your original. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I can't tell you how good it feels as a pastor to see people who for 16 years walked without any kind of love for each other. Never, never, never could get happy. Never could find the joy. And one day they realized, hey, duh, let's get back together. And they're living their autumn years together. And it's a victory. And it's an awesome thing. It'll cost you physically. It'll cost you financially. And it's going to hurt you emotionally. And it's just not worth it. In fact, Proverbs says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her read it. Satisfy you at all times. And always be enraptured with her love. I'm not going to say that word in the pulpit. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Everybody say, it's time to start looking at the morality of my life. I am not going to church anybody I'm not going to run anybody off but there's a there's got to be something that gets in us that says pastor I want to do the right thing I just want to do the right thing and the right thing is always the right thing you can't go wrong doing the right thing in life would you clap your hands and rejoice in that thing? you can't do that doing the right thing I'll be honest with you, I wept over this this week. I cried today in my office about this. Because I don't want to be some hard-nosed, radical preacher. But there's so much information in the Word of God. We need to keep ourselves pure, undefiled, holy. Holiness is not what you wear, it's what you are. It's your decisions. It's what's inside of here. And the Bible said it's better to marry than to burn. <laughs> you know what that burn is, don't you? Yeah, you know. I don't have to go there. So if I have about 30 couples to marry the next week, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because I love you. I love you. There's no sense in stealing candy from a store. Just buy the store. And own the candy. Come on now, let me talk to you. It's time to do the right thing. Got to go to heaven, folks. Don't make the mistake of David by confusing God's mercy with God's tolerance. Because judgment, just because it doesn't come immediately, doesn't mean it won't come. God will judge sin. And the price is just too high. So you need to put a fence in your life and graze in your own pasture. Don't be a wild Mustang.
Don't do that. Get in the pasture. Let fences correct your life. Come on. Get you some guardrails on the highway of life. You may crash into them every now and then, but don't let them, don't let them not be there and you go off into some chasm. Put some guardrails in your life. Put some guardrails in your life. I'm going to tell a story, and then I'm, we're going to take communion. When I lost my wife, I was a single man for, Randy, if you'll help me, I need a little music on this story. I was a single man for 11 months. Patty and I got married 11 months after I lost my family. And uh, I pastored all that time in Dallas, Misty and myself, my little girl, six years old, and myself. And, and I was, I was kind of athletic back in that day, and I'm, I'm better now in my mind than I was really then. The older you get, the better you were. You know that. But we had a, we had a fabulous softball team at First Church in Dallas, and we uh, we wore some people out, and then we got wore out sometimes. But there was a guy that I knew owned a sports store, a sporting goods store, and I went in there one day. He said, "Hey, preacher, I got you. A, I got you a woman." I said, "Oh, really? Yeah." I said, "Well, what's she like?" He said, "Oh." This is so funny. He said, what do you want her to be like? I said, well, does she love God? That's kind of a priority. He said, oh, yeah, man, she loves God. He said, she can be anything you want to be. He said, she can party on Saturday night and go to church on Sunday. I said, well, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work in my world. He said, well, I, I think you need to see her because I think if you ever see her, I think you'd just say, wow. So I was in there one day, and he trapped me. I was in there looking for some bats and some equipment for the team, and I was a young pastor. I was in my early 30s, and, and all of a sudden, he comes up to me and said, don't leave. I said, why? He said, because that girl's coming in the front door. And I looked, and here came Delilah. <laughs> I'm not Samson, but I recognize Delilah. And he said, just stay right here. And as soon as he went to get her to bring her to me, I knew where the back door was. <laughs> and I pulled a Joseph, and I ran away. Came around. Now I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not bad. I'm not tough. But I knew that if I stepped into that world, I would not be what God wanted me to be. And I ran out the back door. And he called me. He called me about a day later. He said, "Man, I've been trying to call you." I said, "I hadn't been answering my phone." He said, "Why'd you run for?" I said, "Because, man, that's not what I want in my world." And it wasn't long after that that a sweet little girl in Houston called me and said, would you come date me? No, she didn't do that. <laughs> that part's not true. 
but God gave me a beautiful girl. See, if you wait, if you just, if you just wait on the Lord, if you just say no a couple of times and say, no, I'm not going to throw myself into that. You just say, I'm going to wait and God's going to give me the right person. Watch out. You'll have a patty in your life. And our daughters and our kids all love God. And I, I thought about decisions that I made. Opportunity, desire. Opportunity, desire. Come on. We can make this work. Stand to your feet. You're incredible people and I love you very much. I want you to receive this tonight. I want you to receive it in the name of the Lord. Clap your hands and say thank you, Pastor, for the word tonight. Thank you. And if I don't see you after the night, it's been good knowing you. I know I'll see you because you want the truth. The only thing that will make you free is truth. You've got to know truth. Take your bread in your hand. Hold it up to the heavens. And say, Lord, I thank you because of the cross. I thank you for Calvary. I thank you for the crucifixion. I thank you for your broken body. And I honor you tonight with my body and my heart and all that's in me. And thank you for this bread unleavened that I receive into myself tonight. In the name of the Lord, receive it right now. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. We sing a song, What Can Wash Away My Sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Would you open up your fruit of the vine now and hold it up to the Lord? This represents the blood that he shed for you. He said, I'm coming after a church without spot or wrinkle. A bride that loves me more than the pleasures of this world. That bride loves me. Come on. Let's fall in love with Jesus on this cold Wednesday night. Let's let God direct our paths. Amen. Receive the fruit of the vine right now. Hallelujah. 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 What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing it now. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. But the blood of Jesus.
I love you. And I honor you tonight. And I weep over this congregation. I love these people. I want us all to go to heaven. I want us all to do the right thing. Direct our paths. Keep us from the evil one. Don't let our steps be misguided. Don't let us be enticed and allured into things that are not of God. Let us hate the sin of life, not the sinner, but the sin. And let us love righteousness in our own soul. And let us walk out of here saying, I will be better. I will do better. I will walk right. I will make good, firm choices in my life. And I will be an overcomer. For I shall be saved in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Some of you say, well, Pastor, is that all the scriptures? No, I got a bunch more. That's about 40, but I got a bunch more. I didn't write them, but they're in the book. Go to Proverbs and read it. Let your heart be touched by the word of the Lord. Pray for your own self. I will never come to anybody saying, I think you need this, what I preach tonight. But I just preach because we all need to cleanse ourselves and make sure we're on the right path. Amen. Clap your hands real big. I love all of you. I love you. I really do. I love you. Amen. Sunday's going to be a great day. It's going to be an awesome day. We're back on Dreamers Incorporated on Sunday. I love you. And I promise Solomon's Secret's going to get better and better and better. Tonight was test night. I love you. God bless. Have a great, great cold night. God bless you. Get on out of here. I love you.